Hello, friends. Craig Ballard, Locked On Blue Jays. Locked On Blue Jays, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is a bit longer than usual, as is the panel discussion from the Blue Jay fan event I co-hosted this past Sunday. Now, yesterday, we went through the Davis Schneider and Jay Jackson parts of that event. Hope you enjoyed that. I loved it. Hope you did as well. And today's the rest of that panel, which includes Johnny G from Gate 14, Blake Murphy from Sportsnet, Jays Talk Plus, Julia from MLB.com, and Baseball Jen. And we get into all kinds of Toronto Blue Jay topics, uh, Trevor Richards, Jordan Romano, Matt Chapman, the Buffalo Boys, and, and even more. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The MO of this team all year has been defense and pitching. We continue to see it, although some of the big hitters from last year that were really struggling are starting to heat up. Since August 20th, we've seen Alejandro Kirk hitting 353. Yeah, an on-base percentage of 439. He's slugging 559. We're starting to see some life out of Kirky again. Vlad is hitting just under 300 with a slug of 467. He's heating up. And, of course, we watched George Springer hit two bombs just yesterday, and Georgie heating up is always good news for this team. So, Blake, we'll go to you here. When you see a team struggle for as long, like, I mean, just sample size-wise, you almost got to wonder if they're ever going to find it. But seeing these guys heat up at this point, do you have some hope that there's life in this offense and that we can move forward from the last four months? I think so. I think something that is important in in the way you set that up, though, is that we're celebrating a 467 slugging as a hot streak for Vlad right now. And I think as far as, you know, people still consider him potentially the team's best hitter, that's got to be higher. I can't go into the playoffs being like, well, maybe he'll slug 467. That has to go a little higher. The Springer stuff is huge, though. The way that that and Bobachet's return sets up the top of the lineup and everything flows from there and you're, you're not having to hit guys out of a spot of the order that they shouldn't be hitting in. You know, you can't get too optimistic because this has coincided also with, you know, Whit Merrifield has come down to earth and far below it at the same time. So guys are going to streak. But, yeah, I mean, the the September George Springer thing appears to be a real thing, and, and Bo's going to give the rest of the lineup a, a shot as well. But like you said off the top, this team's built to win, like, a lot of 4-3 playoff games, not 7-5 playoff games. Can we give a shout-out as well? Because over the last month, we've got a 345 on base and about a 780 OPS with the defense, I mean, Dalton, Dalton Varshow. Dalton Varshow. Yeah. yeah. Dalton Varshow, like, last month, Dalton Varshow has brought it. Johnny, these guys are making a 131 average sound bad. They're making your career average. In, in uh, the, that's a low blow, correct? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> team, I was a team guy. I was a locker room guy. <laughs> the glue. Johnny was a glue guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do you think when you look at this schedule, Blake, at this point, that this is the Jays to lose? I will feel that way after this Rangers series if they take three out of four. Like, you you can't feel that way if you split this series or go one for three. Like, you need three for the tiebreaker against Texas as well. So I'll feel that way afterward. Like, look, there's some weirdness that could happen the last two weeks, or the, yeah, last two weeks, where the Yankees, they have this thing about not finishing below 500, so they'll be going for that. They'll want to play spoiler. And then the Rays, maybe they have the division to play for still. So I don't think you can, like, lock those in as better to a better closing two weeks than the other teams. But yeah, if you come out of this Texas series and you've got two or three games on them and the tiebreaker, you're going to feel really in control. 
And not only in control, but how ironic is it, and, and this is not for the faint of heart, right, the, the threading of the needle that the Blue Jays are trying to do right now, but they're trying for that third spot. That third spot, all due respect to Minnesota, plays Minnesota. That's precisely who you would want to handpick if you're the Toronto Blue Jays. Johnny, you played baseball. I joke, you played it at a good level in that. As somebody who didn't now, uh, on the outside looking in, that's what I'm thinking, but are you sitting there, Johnny, as someone who played the game saying, oh, Craig, be careful. I mean, that's, that's too much of a needle thread. I say it in like a joking way, obviously tank for the third wild card, but you obviously just can't like tank and lose games and stuff like that. But obviously it's in the back of the players' minds. Obviously they don't want to go to a Tropicana field and play there. They'd rather go to Target, State, Target Field. Blue Jays' dad will be there and uh, yeah, oh yeah. Face, uh, <laughs> face the uh, Minnesota Twins. I mean, they're not idiots. I mean, Twins is a way easier competition. Tropicana Field, House of Horrors. Obviously it's either that or Camden Yards. So, I mean, in the back of their minds, they're definitely thinking of it like, damn, all right, we're in the second wild card spot right now. We're going to have to go somewhere. But I, I think they're not going to be obviously tanking and losing games. But I do know it's going to be like, this is a way tougher matchup. matchup. It's, an easier, it's an easier schedule for the playoffs if you go to Minnesota and face those teams. Do you worry about the Jordan Luplo revenge game? Yes, whoa, I am worried about that. He might, he might have said something along those lines. It'll be a revenge game if he uh, faces the Jays. It's a joke. But, yeah, no, it's... Uh, Luplo, I'm going to have to cheer against him. Hopefully he strikes out when the Jays face him. When you look at the, the roster crunch that's upcoming, and Matt Chapman obviously returning to the lineup eventually here, um, you look at Eric Swanson on the verge of returning. How do the Jays manage this when the guys from Buffalo, and maybe we'll go to you here, Jen, are literally lighting the world on fire right now? It's a good problem to have, right? Um, I mean, ultimately, the Jays have to put out their best lineup, right? Um, and so, for instance, I don't think you're taking David Schneider out of that lineup anytime soon, for instance. <laughs> Clearly. Um, yeah, no, I mean, so the Jays are in a good position that way to actually be getting back players who in one way or another make the team better, whether it's defensively or, or whatever their situation is. So, you know, who is it that's, that's on the outside looking in at this point? You know, maybe it's Spencer Horowitz. I, I don't know, but like I said, they've got a decision to make, but it's a good decision to have to be making at this point. Do we have any eyes on Brandon Belt uh, uh, when he's coming back that, right yeah. now, by the way? He's, he's still a Toronto Blue Jay, yes? Can I confirm? Okay, okay, I can confirm that. Okay, Blake, you're running the Toronto Blue Jays. Matt Chapman comes back tomorrow. I assume he's your starting third baseman, but where do you have him in this lineup? Oh, seventh or eighth. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, he was in the bottom third before he hit the IL anyway. We haven't seen him hit since the end of April, where obviously he had the best month in all of baseball. He was incredible. And then whatever was clicking there kind of went the other way. So yeah, I think he's a guy who you slot in seven, maybe even eight, and he can play his way back up. But yeah, I don't think you can drop him into a middle of the order spot. First of all, I mean, like you won't know for sure if the bat is back with the, the finger stuff. Like if he's targeting the Red Sox this weekend, then you're only talking about one or two uh, rehab games anyway, and the bat wasn't playing before. So, yeah, he's going to have to work his way back up the, the batting order. And I think, honestly, an interesting question is he's been an everyday guy since he got here. Is that more of a five-game-a-week thing now because so many guys around him are hitting? And obviously they love the defense, but there's a huge gap in what he was doing offensively and what the guys who have filled in have been doing. I, I think there's no way he's playing in every single game down the stretch. Wow. wow. 
more coming right up from myself, Scott, Johnny, Blake, Julia, and Jen. First, I did want to talk about FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. I got to give a shout out to Jen. She had one of the tweets of the year. I thought the Blue Jays had announced that Matt Chapman's middle right finger is still sore and and baseball jo- oh join the club join the club are you yeah. kidding the way you guys have been hitting with the runners in scoring position my right middle finger's been getting a workout too no i absolutely love that johnny where are you on uh, on mr chapman and johnny am i I'm, johnny i feel like he's been pitched the same way all season like i don't understand where april matt chapman went i care about matt chapman's health he should take his time I think he should take his time <laughs> uh should be out as long as take, take his time a little bit there listen i i don't know how you can implement a guy who's been hitting so poorly since April I mean obviously the defense there I'm not downgrading the defense or degrading the defense but this lineup like you guys mentioned eight and two in their last 10 their offense has been really good runner scoring position with him not in the lineup when he's been injured and stuff like that so it's a hard decision to make but I do not agree you can't play him every single day because he can't hit the elevated fastball he can't hit 92 mile an hour fastballs can't hit 90 mile an hour down the middle balls so I don't know but I think the five days a week thing makes a lot of sense because uh, these these Buffalo boys have earned their spot in that lineup every single day. So it's it's a tough decision to make for John Schneider. Blake, when you look at what Matt Chapman has done this season, where do you view his value on the open market coming up as a free agent? Has he shot himself in the foot a little bit? Like, are we talking maybe needing to take a one-year, two-year rebuild deal, or he's fine? He's going to be – look at the free agent market and look at the list of guys who are out there. It's nothing. Especially if you need an infielder, there is nothing. Like, Heimer Candelario is, like, high on the list of infield guys. Like it's, it's everyone laugh, but that's yeah. the truth. It's, yeah. it's really dire out there, and I think Matt Chapman can still pretty comfortably ask for like, like I think four years, a hundred million as an absolute floor, and I think he's gonna get that from the Yankees. And Scott Boris is his agent. Scott Boris has a has a sense of humor about these things, right, Blake? Like he'll just it'll be an e- easy negotiation, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brother, it'll be right. nice and yeah, No, right. it'll be. Look, I, I don't think as much as we've all enjoyed watching the defense and the Jays are you know, appreciate what he's done and stuff. I, I'd imagine it's a, here's your qualifying offer. I decline. Okay. Uh, happy trails. I'll tell you, you just sparked me. I would like to see some of that money allocated because are we loving Jordan Hicks? Now this is going to be an expensive free agent. Blake, do you think this guy has, because I mean, you got Connor Cook. We've got guys coming up that could be the next Jordan Hicks, but man, his stuff, goodness. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a big pay relievers guy. Mm. I just think so many of those contracts backfire and We've seen this year, they've found a guy in Bowden Francis who was a DFA DFA guy last year. Um, You know, you acquired Jordan Hicks for not, I mean, a decent price, but like you can add guys like that on the market pretty freely. If it's a one-year deal where he wants to just keep upping that value because, hey, I had a terrible April and my ERA is inflated and I'd like to get some more saves and, you know, hit the market again, sure. But long-term deals for relievers almost never work. And while we're giving uh, some props and talking relievers, can, I, I mean, Yenesis Cabrera? My gosh. Oh, wow. My gosh. My gosh. Has this guy been a find? Holy cow. The Blue Jays pared down. What was he throwing? He was throwing four or five different pitches with St. Louis. Blue Jays said, 
change up, uh, tossed a bunch of stuff, two pitches, and my God, when you look at the batter's reactions, they are not differentiating his fastball from his slider or the other things he's throwing up there. It has been extremely impressive. Now you've got that bullet in your, in, 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 in your arsenal for the fifth or the sixth inning, and you can save a Tim Meza for the tough outs later? My God, Yenesis Cabrera's been huge for this team. Truly, the bullpen and the starting pitching has been the strength of this team all year long. Anthony Bass? Oh, sorry. No, sorry. No, no, sorry. No, oh, oh, sorry. No, that was wrong. No. No. Craig, what did we say? It's a kid-friendly show. Correct. Listen, the length that this starting pitching has given is absolutely incredible. Honestly, Chris, yeah, go ahead. Make some noise. Chris Bassett... The Hound has pitched 173.1 innings this year. Jose Barrios, 164, and I mean, add the, he's 170 now after today's game. Kevin Gosman, 167. Even Yusei Kikuchi is at 148, yes. So I am curious, because I would like to, okay, perfect, that means our guest has arrived. Welcome to the stage, the very great baseball mind that is Julia Cruz from MLB.com. Yes. All right. So, Hi, I don't even. Oh. Hi. Okay. I heard well, the you name just you say Kikuchi, and I was here. Yeah. <laughs> this is not an awkward mic exchange there. Good. for having me, guys. Hello. Nice to be here with you. Yes. You look Sorry great, my friend. Yes. Thank you for coming down. No, absolutely. And you are here in just the nick of time for the question about the length of innings because we heard, uh, saw a very interesting thing happen just yesterday with George Kirby of the Seattle Mariners who wound up getting pulled, or uh, sorry, going out in the seventh after pitching 90 pitches and then came out in the media afterwards and straight up said I shouldn't have been back out there That's ridiculous. Of course a lot of the old-school pitchers then chimed in and was like well that statement is ridiculous uh, when you look at the Blue Jays starting rotation Julia and you See how much length they've given and then you hear something like George Kirby uh, and his statement Where are you at on where? I guess the question for you is what should people expect from a starting pitcher? What is the length that you think in 2023 you would hope that they give? And how impressive is what this starting staff is doing for the Jays? I, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, to be very, very honest with you. I, I do believe that uh, we live in an age where obviously athletes are blessed with the amount of analytics uh, and, and stats that we have that may indicate what the right number is for a certain guy or, and you're going to see that number vary from starter to starter. Kevin Gosman, for example, uh, is someone who has given the Blue Jays a tremendous amount of innings, but he has also felt a little, a little bit. Yes, he recovered, he bounced back pretty nicely in his last time out, but we saw that fatigue settle in a little bit, and, and he did have a stretch uh, late last month in which he ran into trouble. It may be because of that, it may be because of opposing, opposing a, a hitter's game plan, I'm not saying that you know he's tired and therefore he's not pitching well, but at this point in the season, having pitching as much as, having pitched as much as he has, for sure it will it will make a difference. It's a it's a very long season. Conversely, the Blue Jays have needed 
that length, right? <laughs> yes, they have. The Blue Jays have absolutely needed that length. We have seen the bats not necessarily come up with the timely hits, not give Kevin Gosman any sort of uh, run support for a, a, a ton of his, uh, of his starts. And that is a lot to ask, not only from a starting rotation, but also uh, from uh, your relief pitchers who are coming in day in and day out. Uh, we have seen a guy like Jimmy Garcia sort of struggle a little bit from time to time. You don't really know what to expect from him. Uh, and I'm, and I'm, listen, the, the Blue Jays pitching staff as a whole has been phenomenal. I don't think that there's, there's, it, it's been, I guess, the biggest surprise of the season. If you were just to, to ask me at the beginning of the season, what would be more surprising? The dominance of the, uh, the, of the pitching staff or the struggles of the bats? And I would probably have told you that uh, I didn't expect the, uh, the, the pitching staff to be this dominant. Now, uh, you did predict. You say Kikuchi's. Listen, I <laughs> well never, done. never gave up. On <laughs> And I feel really smart right now. Yeah, I do. as you should. I do. It's funny because, uh, and I'm not, not, I'm not saying that I did this, but someone did and sent it to me. Uh, if you look up Julia Kreutz's uh, walk-off podcast, I think one of the first things that show up, show up is um, Julia Kreutz has faith in Yusei Kikuchi. And that was like mid last year. Yes. <laughs> I was like, well, thanks for sending me that. Friend. And you weren't alone, Johnny. You uh, can take credit for Yusei Kikuchi. I mean, that shirt blew up to the point Alec Manoa was wearing it. He's doing well now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Julia, to your point, I mean, we saw Kevin Gosman turn down an all-star appearance this season simply to go away and get that rest. And ironically, Jordan Romano, who was going to do the same, goes and gets hurt. But that's, that's a side story there. But you mentioned Kikuchi. I'd love to get the panel's take here because... I'm just absolutely stunned. I, I thought Hyunjin Ryu, not only was not a contributor to 2023, I thought we had seen the last of Hyunjin Ryu, period. How just massive has it been? When you look at, we've never seen what's happened with Alec Manoa. This is completely unprecedented. Uh, people tell me all the time of Roy Halladay. Roy Halladay, when he was sent down, was absolutely not considered a top three pitcher in all of it. There, there is no comparison here. So to have Kikuchi and Ryu step up, thank God. Like, you needed that yin to that yang, right? Because that, that was a rug pulled out from underneath us as Blue Jay fans with Manoa. So thank God what we've seen from Manoa. From Manoa. Oh, my word. <laughs> from Manoa uh, and, and from Kikuchi and Ryu. Sorry. But I'd love to know, because I fully thought Hyunjin Ryu was going to sail into the sunset. Let's, let, let, let's start with Jen and go down there. Jen, do you think, is it possible this guy has worked himself into, say, a, a two, I know Scott wants a two-year, $25 million offer for Ryu. Do you think something like that is on the table? Yes, I, I do. I think he is, you know, very low-key, small sample size, but low-key, you know, um, the unsung hero of this team because where would this starting rotation be? Jeez. With, with, the, with the loss of Manoa, if Ryu had not been able to come back and pitch to the caliber you know, that he's pitching to right now. You know, um, I don't think anybody necessarily expected it at his age um, for him to be able to get back into game shape. I mean, he looks like he's in the best shape of his life and to go out there and do what he's doing. So um, I, I could easily see even potentially the Blue Jays offering him two years, absolutely. And I've done my part. For the weight that he's lost, I've added the weight. So I've done my part to keep it, to keep it even, yeah. One in, one yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Johnny, are you a Ryu believer? 
Oh, I, I couldn't be more all in on Rio. He seems like one oh. of the greatest teammates ever. All the guys that I know, they, they talk about how good he is in the locker room, how funny he is, and just all that type of stuff. So, And Blake talked about how, how thin this free agent market is this year, obviously. And bringing a guy back like Ryu is going to be a massive, massive thing on the checklist, in my opinion, should be for Ross Atkins. And look at how thin the other options are internally as well, right? Like, is anyone here confident that Alec Manoa, even if you have faith it could work, He's in your rotation, day one, 2024. That's dicey. I love Bowden Francis, but if he's, you know, your SP5 entering the season and your depth is, well, maybe Ricky Tiedemann, who's only thrown 40 innings this year, and, like, Mitch White threw seven good innings yesterday. Like, that's what the starting pitching depth looks like at the highest levels of the minors right now. So bringing Ryu back is, is a nod to that as well, because unlike the third base thing we talked about, the internal options aren't really there on the starting pitching side yet. Now, what about from a business standpoint? What are you comfortable? Are you comfortable going to a third year with Ryu? What's the contract got to look like? Probably not three years, but there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. And, you know, if, the, if it's a second year that gets you over the hump, he's another Boris guy. So you're going to be points. negotiating yeah, against real offers and fake offers and yeah. things like that. So There's a mystery team. <laughs> and look, anytime you're talking starting pitching payday, like you have to consider it pooled risk. So you have to look at it as, okay, well, 20 million on Gosman, 20 million on Bassett, 20 million on Barrios, 10 on Kikuchi. You all right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, 15 on Ryu or whatever. It's not really each bet on the individual. It's like, okay, well, we spent 80, 80 or $85 million on a starting rotation that we're comfortable with. One of these guys is going to suck or get hurt, but that's okay because the overall risk-reward is there. That's kind of how you have to take the starting pitching market, and especially if you can like the Kikuchi deal or like the deal you're kicking around, a short-term deal, you're, you're pretty comfortable with that. And by the way, how insanely ironic is it that Kikuchi's contract this season is outstanding now all of a sudden, right? For, from his production? <laughs> from his produ I know you're not surprised, Julia. Some, some of us are. Some of us are. Julia, where are you on the monster, Hyunjin Ryu? I think, uh, Blake, you, you hit the nail on the head here. It's, this is about death as much as anything else, mm. right? And, and about the options that present themselves outside of what the Blue Jays have right now and internally as well. Uh, I would be completely comfortable with giving Hinjin Ryu two more years. And uh, in, in addition to the depth, let's say he regresses, which would be completely understandable here. Let's say he does regress and he is a solid number five starter, but you know, not obviously to the, to the dominance that he has uh, given the, the Blue Jays so far this year, this is still a mentor to, to the young guys that may come up, right? Uh, say a guy like Ricky Tiedemann makes the big leagues uh, within the next year or 2025. It is extremely valuable to have someone like Hyunjin Ryu, who is obviously not the same type of pitcher, they, right? You, you look at a Tiedemann, you look at a Hyunjin Ryu, they are different pitchers, but having a guy that does the work and, and does the work right every single day, it is, uh, it is a big deal. And Manoa, who is probably a bad example right now, will be the first to tell you how, how valuable it is to have a guy like that in your corner. I had the, uh, the, the opportunity to write a, a feature piece on, on Ryu, and everyone around him says the same thing. He is an example of not just hard work, but actually smart work uh, in the way that he carries himself and that is something that I believe any pitching staff has something to learn from uh, no matter their age but especially when you're looking at maybe developing some young guys in this rotation. Let me ask you Scott because my fear is Hyunjin Ryu is going to want to follow Shohei to the Dodgers so I think the Blue Jays are going to have to get involved in a three-year deal that that's where I'm coming from on this what's your comfort level on that now Scott? 
That's a really tough question. I, I mean, three years is not ideal in this scenario. He is 36 years old, obviously, and time catches up to everybody. We see it every time that we think there's someone who is uh, a shining star, an exception, and then it happens, right? Everyone eventually hits a wall. That said, honestly, and, and Blake kind of touched on it there with Bowden Francis, right? The depth in this Blue Jays system at this point isn't where you would necessarily want it to be to roll the dice, right? And I, I also believe that Bowden Francis provides a lot of value that maybe we aren't giving him credit for, right? There, this was one of the biggest problems with the bullpen coming up until just recently, which was there was no long man back there. And I know it's crazy to say, but wow, now that there's a dude back there who... You know, when someone goes only four innings and can come in and give you three innings, it really, really allows the rest of the bullpen to not be overworked, something that has happened a few times this year. Well, Scott, aren't we in a point right now where we'd have a little bit more faith in Bowden Francis to be that long man over Trevor Richards, who has looked unrecognizable mm -hmm. since he returned from his injury, by the way? Mm -hmm. No, it is uh, a bummer what's going on with Trevor Richards because, my goodness, what a season he has provided for this Blue Jays bullpen. And to see it fizzle out because of an injury does kind of suck, obviously. But that's the way the bullpen goes, right? That's relievers 101. As soon as you start believing in one too much, oh, they will make you pay. So um, hopefully he finds it again. He's got one of the best change-ups in baseball. Oh, so good. And would definitely be uh, a value add yeah. out of the pen in the, in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, right now I think he's definitely lost some leverage in that pen. I hope you're enjoying this panel discussion as we have some great Blue Jay minds involved here. And we'll get to more of that in a moment. Now, first, I wanted to mention that everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Well, that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergencies and gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication on hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluations to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Where, where are we on, on Trevor Richards? Am I, am, I, am I reading too much into that? I mean, we can't be happy with what we've seen lately, but that, that change-up at any given time feels to me like it plays. Where are you on Trevor Richards, uh, Blake? So the, the last couple outings, the change-up isn't really moving the way that mm -hmm. we normally see it, and that's a little tough when you throw 94 as, as your counter pitch, and you know, it's obviously worked so well for him to ditch a third offering, but on a day that he doesn't have his change-up and guys just see enough of it to lay off, and at first I kind of thought, it was like, okay, it was the first game back from the I.L., and then there were two outings in Colorado, and we know that Coors does weird things to breaking balls. Like Good even point. like we, we've the book has always been you can't throw your curveball there, but we've also started to see that like stuff that breaks back doesn't break the same way there. Um, there was a clip of Richards in the Sunday game going back to the bullpen and talking to I can't remember if it was Pete Walker or someone else, but he was like doing the motion with his mm. hand, like his pitch wasn't mm. breaking. So I kind of like it was like okay, first game back from the IL, and then okay, Coors Field for two of them. But like you can't just keep stacking those things. So I, I don't think it's like a concern of he's not in the playoff mix. I do think though that 
a couple weeks ago we were talking about him as, oh, he's a seventh, eighth inning guy, and now he's probably, you know, I, th I think what we saw today with who was warming up when, Chad Green's probably jumped ahead of him now. And then, yeah, he's kind of slid into maybe more where you'd use Jay Jackson and, and Bowden Francis. When can we have, Johnny, you're good friends with Eric Swanson. When is the Swan Song coming back? Give us the inside scoop. Yesterday here. pitched well. Yesterday pitched well. I mean, obviously it looks great. Um, hope, I'm hoping he's back for this Rangers series, man. It's the biggest series of the year. I mean, we're going to need all hands on deck for that. But in terms of the Trevor Richards stuff, I do think a lot of it is a, a testament to just him being overworked. I mean, this is a guy last year wasn't pitching high leverage type of situations. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to read the numbers about the innings he pitched. That maybe I should have maybe looked into that earlier. But uh, yeah, I just I, I think a lot of it is just everyone's battling injuries this part of the year, right? I mean, overworking, all that type of stuff. And when your offense puts up three runs and you got to win a lot of baseball games, games 3-2 and need Trevor Richards and high leverage is going to catch up to him and that's another reason why I think he's been kind of struggling here the past couple of weeks. And to piggyback on that thought like if you look at the bullpen pieces that have been lights out for this team all year long they are breaking their career records in innings pitch. Trevor Richards is there, Tim Mesa is there and Tim Mesa is another guy that we've seen struggle a little bit recently and I think it really is just a workload thing which again goes to the point of how valuable Bowden Francis has been for this team. And guys like Jay Jackson, who we're going to talk to in just a few minutes here, uh, have been lights out and been that depth in this bullpen that maybe they lacked in 2022 and 2021. Uh, Swanson's at a career high as well, and Romano's going to get there. And Romano, yeah. and Romano missed time, and he's still going to get there as well. So it's, it's, it's a true point. You know... I have such a hard time levying it as an actual criticism, though, because, I mean, everywhere throughout baseball, we're seeing these bullpens used, and you just rhymed off the numbers. The starters are, are coming through, so I don't know what the answer is on that, but we've been talking about, you know, thank God of certain moments during the season. Well, if we're going to shout out Trevor Richards, when Alec Manoa got sent to Florida, Richards had those three straight starts as the opener. Remember that? And did a fantastic job in those three straight starts. The Texas one had a bump in the road there, fine, but he was awesome. Who was it? Uh, at home against San Fran in Washington, I want to say? Anyway, he did a really good job. He really stepped up. So, yeah, I hope uh, uh, that Trevor Richards can come back. But ultimately, I want Eric Swanson to be the eighth-inning guy in the playoffs. Now, that's the eighth-inning guy. How do we feel about the ninth-inning guy? How do we feel about Jordan Romano? I feel like the Toronto Blue Jay fan base is a little bit split on this. I don't think anyone in the Blue Jay fan base thinks this guy's a bum. No. But I do hear on the Locked On Blue Jay podcast, you hear it on the Walk Off podcast, we do hear some trepidation about Jordan Romano being that World Series closer. Baseball Jen, kick us off. Where are you on the man from Markham? I have confidence in okay. Romano. I really do. I think that he's... Okay. I mean... I think that he's proven himself in that role enough times over that really you should feel confident about him going out there and closing games for you. Has he had a few games where you've had to hold your breath or he's, you know, whatever? Not today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, but we can say that of everybody. We can say that of every closer in baseball, right? So, you know, when you look at his entire body of work over the season, um, I, and, and, you know, his own, well, I mean, just looking at him, just the, the persona that he brings out onto the mound, right? He wants to be in that closing situation, right? He has the pedigree for it. I absolutely feel confident in him closing out games for this team. It's funny, the Texas Rangers fans are watching this going, you guys have some nerve. You think you've got a bullpen to complain about? you got some nerve. My God. For those of you who don't know the stat that Craig is talking about, the Texas Rangers, out of their last 12 save attempts, 
have two saves. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's yeah. cracking them up. <laughs> On the season, they have more blown saves than sa The guy we saw today, Cole Reagans, who has a massive future, he was gifted to Texas because they, they, they or to Kansas City, sorry, because they jettisoned that yeah. You know what, Araldus Chapman, and they get—I mean, just, just absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. Johnny, where are you on on uh, Jordan Romano? I trust Romano, man. I mean, that's just baseball. I mean, every reliever goes through these little lumps, these little bumps in the road where they don't look good for a couple starts. The Jay, I mean, a couple appearances. Sorry, I mean, Jay's got wins in both the last ones where he kind of struggled, and obviously there's a little bit more wiggle room and breathing room. But no, I trust Jordan Romano, man. I mean, he's our guy. He's the guy. He's the Canadian guy closing for the Toronto Blue Jays, and I love him. And obviously his stuff's absolutely electric when it is when it's going, but. Just a couple rough start, a couple rough appearances. He'll be fine. I mean, this is a guy that's kind of you've been able to rely on a lot this year. Like I said, a lot of games they've been winning by close games. He's had to come in and shut the door. So I trust Ramon, and I want to be the closer for this team till I'm six feet under. That's my guy. He's fourth in saves in baseball. <laughs> Blake, what about the in particular, Blake? I, I want to hear what you say there, but I'd love to hear you talk about. What I hear the criticism from Romano is the pitch selection. Why was the slider there? That was definitely a fastball count. Why was the fastball there? That was definitely a slider count. That's what I hear a lot. Where are you on Jordan Romano? So that's a tough one because when you're a two-pitch guy who's 50-50, right? And look, the splits are different for righties or lefties, but let's say 50-50. Part of what you're doing there is trying to not be predictable. So it's not a full coin toss. And you're scouting a guy of like, yes, this guy in this area doesn't handle the fastball. Like, if he's pitching to Matt Chapman, he's going to lean on those fastballs up in the zone more, right? If he's facing a guy who doesn't hit, if he's facing George Springer, he's going to hammer him with the slider. But part of it is also being a little unpredictable with an otherwise predictable pitch mix. So I can get there with it sometimes. I think, you know, bigger picture, it's that when he has had days like today, he's not commanding the fastball particularly well. He gets that kind of high arm side miss with regularity. I think that's maybe a little related to the back and the, and the fatigue stuff. But yeah, I mean, pitch mix, anytime you, like the batter is thinking about this too and the other team's game planning it. So if you are sitting there and you're like, ah, he should have thrown a fastball there, a small part of the thinking might be, well, he probably thinks I'm going to throw a fastball there. So that's a little bit, I can't really put myself in Romano's head with something, with that element of it. It's funny with Romano too, because... It feels like the more room he has, the more he's going to use it. <laughs> if you give him no wiggle room, he is lights out. And we saw that just yesterday, right? Or maybe, sorry, it was Friday where, you know, he got ca called in in the eighth inning, back against the wall, shut it down, right? Go into the ninth inning with a little wiggle room, he used it all. How do you, how do you explain what happens in tied games then, though? I don't. There are smarter baseball minds out there for that. Well, to your point, Scott, about the no wiggle room, if you remember, we got this big uh, series coming up with Texas. If you take your mind's eye back to that two out of three that Texas took from Toronto in June, the one game was that, I think it was a weekend series, if I remember correctly, that Friday, the Jays won two to one. He comes in for a four-out save because Mesa got in a little bit of trouble in the eighth. So that's a two-to-one game. So he gets four outs. He goes strikeout, 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 ground out. I mean, he was cash money with no room for error at all. Julia, touch on Romano if you want, but Julia, what I'd really love to hear from you is, is it a night and day difference or is it a six of one, half dozen of the other that we're not going to see Danny Jansen catch for this team down the stretch? It's going to be all Alejandro Kirk. It's going to be all Tyler Heineman. Chris Bassett loves that. Chris Bassett has thrived with Kirk, but what about some of these other guys? That's a, 
It's a fascinating question, and one that I think sort of relates to what Blake said about pitch selection, right? When you're working closely with your catcher and you're trying to figure out a game plan, uh, trust goes a long way with that, and obviously rapport goes a long way about that. And so it, it will be more interesting to see some of these guys try to navigate uh, pitching without Danny Jansen uh, as a backstop. Uh, that said, earlier this year, there were a couple of moments when Romano seemed like he was struggling, at least to me, I don't know. And uh, it, that I'm not huge into like going deep, deep into stats. Obviously, working in baseball, you have to know the freaking stats. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, that was one where I was like, it seems like he's not doing as well as he did last year, and I wonder what this is about. And what my deep dive showed was that I was wrong, is that he was actually, you know, when you look at the numbers and when you look at the body of work, he is probably putting together a more dominant season than he did last year. That said, I will play a little bit of devil's advocate here and say that I don't think Romano has entirely proven himself in this role. We saw what happened uh, in the wild card series last year. I know no one wants to revisit that if you want to order another beer. <laughs> <laughs> but part of the reason why the Blue Jays collapsed that year was because Jordan Romano couldn't hold it together. Now, I agree with you. It seems like when the stakes are higher, that is when Romano really thrives and that is who you want on the mound in those situations. But to say that he has proven himself, I would say right now is, a little, is going a little bit too far. I do believe that the Blue Jays need to make the postseason a little bit more consistently, and he needs a little bit more opportunities to pitch in those big moments, and then we will be able to you know, get a better feel of where Romano uh, stands uh, in the Blue Jays franchise, let's say, as, as a closer. That's a wrap for Wednesday's Locked On Blue Jays episode. Be sure to tune in tomorrow as we'll get to our trivia for this week. Plus, we'll get set for the series finale of Rangers versus Blue Jays. All those games, of course, available for you on SiriusXM. For now, keep it locked on the Locked On Podcast Network and check out Sully hosting Locked On MLB. Go Jays go, and we'll talk tomorrow.